0: Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers not anymore because we are transforming the human and human resources with the complete manager makeover. So
1: Welcome to the Tuesday Business Owner Call. We're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but we're going to be taking a small business approach. I think sometimes when we hear about diversity, equity, and inclusion, also known as DE&I, we think, oh, that's just for the larger organizations who have you know, hundreds of employees and things of that nature. But in fact, diversity, equity, and inclusion is for all size businesses especially the small business. So we're going to talk about a couple of things and, and we're going to go through a one and a half hour conversation in about 30 to 40 minutes. But I think it's important that we understand DEI and its definitions. There's a lot of new terms out there right now. We also want to acknowledge the business Reason that we want to initiate a DEI program or process, as I like to say, and then we also want to talk about how to go about developing those initiatives for the small business community. We also want to ensure that there are success through metrics, and hopefully, you have ways within your organizations to track and measure your progress with diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics. It's an important thing to consider the external factors in your diversity, equity, and inclusion processes and programs. So what does that mean? Typically, what you want to see is your employee population should reflect the population of your local marketplace. So take a look at what your zip code is. You will want to look at the Department of Labor's labor market information. It's called LMI, labor market information for your business's zip code. Let's just say that you have 50% of your community is Hispanic, 25% is a Caucasian, and then 25% is going to be in the African-American community. So you want to ensure that your workforce models that same percentages based on your local market information. So as we have this DNI and conversation, it really is important to consider what is happening within your organization? What are your employee counts and how do they relate to the metrics in your local labor market? Now, why do we need to have and why is it important now more than ever to have this DEI conversation? Well, let's take a look at memory lane and why we are here having this. In the last five to 10 years, we have seen a lot of volatility in our environment and in our workforce. We have seen the movement of Black Lives Matters. We've seen the rise of LGBTQ conversations, Asian hate because of COVID. And the list goes on and on and on as you can see there. And so we want to make sure that we as small organizations are addressing these issues from a diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation as well. Now I think some Sometimes we believe that diversity, equity, and inclusion really is only about race and nationality and ethnicity. But in fact, the de conversation is much more diverse than that. And I love what Jimmy Carter says. He says, we have become not a melting pot, but a beautiful mosaic, different people, different beliefs, different yearnings, different hopes and dreams. And that diversity really expands out quite a bit to behavioral differences, community differences and diversities, social life experiences, and those are some dimensions as well, whether we have those from an economic standpoint, an education standpoint, sexual orientation standpoint, and then it goes even further to include many of the other points of diversity that you see, what we call institutional dimensions as well. Occupation, political affiliation, whether we're full-time or part-time in our organization. So different people, different beliefs from a psychological, even a physical standpoint, when we look at diversity from a physical or mental impairment standpoint. We see sexual orientation, so it really has become a lot broader in the conversation than was originally known when it first, when diversity, equity, inclusion conversations started out. So we really want to take a look at that because we are totally unique in our individuality. We do have some commonalities, and those are the things that we should celebrate, but we should also begin to celebrate those differences. But what binds us together are those things that we can relate to and resonate with as well. So what are some of these definitions? Defining ENI in its framework, equity is really in the workplace, refers to fair treatment in access, opportunity, and advancement for individuals. Equity is the process an organization engages in to ensure that workplace culture, policies, procedures and the application of those acknowledge that not all members are sometimes afforded the same resources, treatment and opportunities and by the organization ensuring equity is really working to remedy those inequities, to fix those internal challenges or dissimilarities or lack of equity in the workplace. In addition to that, we wanna talk about inclusion and I love this slide, it talks about us. Inclusion is the difference between whether I'm apart or separate or I'm a part of the organization and the bigger picture. Creating an inclusive work environment is really what we need to do so that people have a real sense of belonging to the organization and they thrive in their organizations as a result. Inclusion describes the extent to which each person in an organization feels welcome, respected, supported, and valued as an individual of the whole. So I'm a part, not a part or separate. One of the things we also want to consider in the de conversation, and I love that quote. I wish I could remember who I heard it from. Diversity is the fact, the race, the color, the gender, the age, your sexual orientation, your life experiences, your marital status, your national origin. All of those things are facts equity really is, and inclusion are the actions behind the diversity. Equity is acknowledging that everybody does have different needs and experiences and opportunities needed. For example, if I am a young mother in the workplace and I have a child, let's say under five years old, I am a caregiver in the workplace. However, maybe I am a boomer or a Gen Xer and I am taking care of my elderly aging parent. While we're both caregivers, that's a commonality that can set us a part, a part of together. The difference is my needs might vary in terms of I need daycare. I need resources in that respect, while the other employee may need something from adult care or extra time off to manage the care of an adult caregiver. So those are some of the things. Equity says, I understand that we have different needs, addresses it in that way, maybe offering time off benefits or paid time off benefits so that the young mom can go to the soccer game after school while the boomer or ex are taking care of mom or dad can take that same time off or be given equivalent time off so that they can ensure they can take mom and dad to the doctor's visits and things of that nature. So hopefully that makes sense how we apply diversity, equity, inclusion, no matter how large or small our organization. organization. Organization is. And then, of course, inclusion is that purposely including everyone in our organizations, regardless of their diversity, the facts about them, so that they have equal access to our processes, our programs, our benefits and training and things of that nature. It's, again, actively ensuring that diversity is recognized and valued within the organization. It's ensuring that as we create philosophies, policies, procedures, practices, and programs in our organization, that we establish the right policies that ensure equal access to opportunities? What does that look like? Maybe we have begun a succession planning process within our organizations, and we want to train individuals to assume new roles and responsibilities. Well, instead of just earmarking it for our what's typically known as our high-performing team, how do we ensure that those that might not be performing at 100% still have access to some of those training processes and programs regardless, so that they can be encouraged and may lead to improved engagement for that individual. So when we look at the definition of continuing to define the de and framework, the definition, we've got to talk about discrimination. Because that's where I think this all started If you think back to Title VII Which is the Civil Rights Act of 1964 You want to remember that this all started Based on race, sex color, religion, national origin, age, and then it morphed into physical and mental disabilities. And now we've seen sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression as well included. And so definition of discrimination, and I always think that it's important that we educate our employees about this word, that we don't use this word unless we're absolutely certain that they feel that they've been treated differently because of an individual group or category, right? And that could be race, sex, color, religion, and that the organization is in fact treating different groups differently. That would be discrimination. When we apply our policies, procedures, practices, you name it, uniformly and across the board with all employees, then we see a situation where we're not acting in a discriminatory manner. And we could speak to that confidently to any employee. Continuing on that conversation of defining some of the terms that are out there right now, gaslighting is known as undermining another person's reality by denying the facts. The facts they have come to know as their environment around them, their perception of the treatment around them, or their feelings. So for example, you've been in a situation where you're in a restaurant, you've sat down and you're made to feel uncomfortable in some way, shape or form, maybe based on your race, religion, national origin, maybe someone in your party who might be of a different race, religion, national origin, or a gender identity. And you see that something has transpired to make that individual or yourself uncomfortable. You've perceived that there may be something discriminatory about the treatment or the service that you've experienced. Well, bringing that to the attention of that server or waiter or manager or whoever it is, if they were ever to say something that says, oh, well, I just think you're being too sensitive. That's gaslighting. That is dismissing another person's reality by denying what could be facts in that situation or their experience or the way they've been treated. So we want to be extremely aware of that. It's become a lot more prevalent, especially in customer service situations where the employee, they used to say right the back of the bus, you're in the rear next to the kitchen, next to the bathroom, the entire restaurant is open with seating, but maybe because of your age, your gender, your gender preference, your identity your race, your religion, you come in and are made to feel discriminated against because of that. When the response to that is, oh, you're just imagining things. Uh, No, I'm not. Clearly, the rest of the restaurant is completely available. And you're sitting me way back over here. Why? Right. So that is what's known as gaslighting. So in addition to that, we also want to talk about Conscious and unconscious bias. And again, we are kind of zipping through some of this. This is a excerpt of a much larger and detailed conversation that can take about an hour and a half to two hours to really dive into all of this. But I think it's important to bring this conversation to our CMM community so that we realize that we too, as small businesses, can address these things internally. We have what's known as unconscious bias or also known as implicit bias. And Types of unconscious bias can be feelings connected to those similar to us. If you've heard our conversation about the halo effect, the fact that oh we we are from the same town, we like the same sports team, we wear the same designer clothes. That's an affinity bias. We treat someone differently, or we feel a connection to them because they're similar to us. That can be considered an unconscious bias. If we hire that candidate that we get along with, that likes the same sports team, that's from our same town or birthplace or hometown, then. And we have that affinity bias. Did we hire that individual because they can do what the job needs to be done, or did we hire that person because of an affinity? Bias, also known as an unconscious bias, one of the examples. Then we have a perception bias, stereotypes and assumptions that we make about different people, much like we saw during the 2020 season of COVID that still continues at the time of this recording, that we are treating Asians in a different manner because of the perception bias. Back when we encountered 9-11, historically, as a nation, we were unconsciously biased and using a perception bias based on Middle Eastern individuals and the Muslim community. These are, in fact, perception biases. In addition to that, like I mentioned already, we have the halo effect. Positive qualities being projected because of those affinity biases. Oh, they must be great to work with. They must be a great person if they're from the same hometown or if they like the same things that I like. We create that halo effect, in fact. And then there's also confirmation bias. Looking to confirm our own opinions or pre-existing ideas or beliefs when we start to approach that conversation. And everyone holds unconscious beliefs about various social and identity groups. We can't get away from it. Human as our nature, the human nature is designed to categorize, in fact. So if I tell you a stove that is on, what do you think? Hot. If I light a match, and say, touch it, you think hot. Those are categories. We have categorized hot based on the stove, the oven, the lighter, the match. That's a natural categorization. And so while we want to acknowledge the natural tendency to categorize and to have these biases, we also want to be aware of when we might be applying them in the wrong way. And that's what diversity, equity, and inclusion and the conversation, that's why it's so important. So now let's talk briefly about microaggressions. Microaggressions are these subtle, indirect, sometimes unintentional acts of prejudice. And they can cause problems with individuals, especially marginalized groups, the African-American community, maybe socioeconomic um, individuals who may have access to federal government aid and things of that nature. The experience is personal and many others fail to recognize Recognize that microaggressions exist. So here's uh, an example. And, and again, microaggressions are these everyday, nonverbal, sometimes verbal, communications, slights, a snub of someone, or even an insult. Sometimes that you know we kind of just laugh off, but it is in fact uh, hurtful to the person receiving that. So let me tell you a few of these sample statements. If you are a single or even married woman over the age of, let's just assume 30 for, for the moment, and you know, you're know you in mixed company, people are talking about their lives and what's going on in them, and you have no children, and one of your friends or somebody in this conversation says, well, when are you going to have children? That's a microaggression. Why? Why? The assumption is that all women need to have children when that is not, in fact, the case. And to even say something like, oh, well, when are you going to have children? You know, you're not getting any younger. That might connotate that older women can't have children. And so these are the kinds of comments that can happen in our workplaces that we need to be cautious of because it creates situations. Of exclusion that I'm being a part or separate as opposed to a part of the bigger community. And so you may even come out of a long meeting that has for another example of microaggressions. Maybe you've had a long meeting and it was an hour and a half, and you don't really think that you got anything done. You might think it no big deal to say, Oh my gosh, I have PTSD from that meeting. When in light, it's really making or taking light of a very serious issue that many different groups suffer with, especially our military and those suffering from mental health issues. So we've got to be careful. Um, And sometimes people say, oh, you got to tiptoe around everything. Sometimes in the workplace, it's best. And even in social settings, it's best as well. We are all about the human connection and transforming the human and human resources. We do need to realize and acknowledge how some of these, what might be just a flippant comment, really can be hurtful and create a situation of separation within our communities and our workforces. So just a few things there on microaggressions. In addition to that, you know, there's been several surveys done regarding microaggressions in the workplace and how people would react or prefer their employees to react. And so this was a SurveyMonkey survey with, I believe it was the Census Bureau and SurveyMonkey, which is a platform that is used nationwide and globally for survey information. And what it found was asking how many people, how many times did something upset you in the workplace? When did a microaggression occur? And what was the microaggression? And in the workplace, it's interesting, I thought that over 45%, 49, in fact, said that in a meeting, repeating my idea and thinking that it was their own, presenting as your own in a meeting was a microaggression. And then, of course, a Addressing individuals in unprofessional ways and demeaning remarks about people who are similar in group status to that individual. And the list goes on and on about the fact that individuals are experiencing microaggressions in the workplace. And then personal microaggressions witness. Third party. I'm not the one where the microaggression had, that I've been a target of, if you will, but I've witnessed it in the workplace. 30% said yes. 39% said no. Some are not sure. You know why? I believe that it's because we really don't know what microaggressions are and how we might fall into them in situations. In fact, I love DE&I. I love the conversation. I love to bring the content. And while while I am a subject matter expert in many things, even with me delivering this training and creating DEI programs for organizations. I misstep with microaggressions as well. So it's important that when we do that, we acknowledge that and even in fact say, you know what, that was insensitive and be able to start and begin to have conversations that open up the conversation to the human aspect to build rapport in our workplaces, in society in general. And then whether or not the survey continued, whether or not they think they've committed a microaggression in the workplace. Now, listen, none of us wants to admit, right, that we in fact might be tripping these wires in our social settings and in our workplaces. And so only 10% in fact said yes. And 62% said no in this survey on microaggressions research. And so 26% weren't sure and some just didn't answer. But I think that as we begin to have this conversation, as we begin to address DEI in all sizes of organizations, bringing these things to light, then we can start to say that number might go up a little bit, but it also hopefully will stay stagnant because we've now been made aware that, wow, I might have done a few of those things without even thinking how that might affect or impact the receiver of that message. So again, it is important that we understand these The DE and I conversation. It's important that we understand the business reasons because there have been many surveys that say diversity is just good business. In fact, there's an organization by the name of McKinsey and Company, and they uh, conducted a global management survey about over a thousand companies across fifteen continents and countries globally. And what they found was quite interesting. What they found was Diversity does, in fact, win. And here is the business case for diversity in executive teams, in your leadership as an organization. They found that by including and ensuring gender diversity, they had an increase in financial performance by 25% over organizations that did not have an executive team that was diverse based on gender. And when we look at ethnic diversity, it also wins because it's in the top quartile as well in terms of the difference between a 36% Increase in financial performance versus an organization that really isn't delivering through diversity initiatives and ensuring that the leadership levels are diverse in the organization. So this is initiating the DEI. This is a racial profile of the United States population as it is projected to be in 2045, and if you can see half. Of the population is going to be Caucasian or white. And look at the huge chunks in Hispanic, African American, Asian, multiracial is really growing as we see blended families, the blending of marriages, and I think the conversation of diversity really becoming mainstream and people being a little bit more accepting. I think still in this day and age, you wonder, wow, that people still aren't accepting diversity in their social status and social settings. Quite interesting. So we want to make sure that our organizations reflect diversity because this has an impact on spending. Individuals will choose to spend their money. The consumers of the world will choose to spend their money. And you can see how large these percentages are. 17% in 2014 of the consumer population was Hispanic versus the projection in 2016. 2016, 2060, 2060, where that's going to increase to 30%. This is not just a good business practice and a good thing to do. It is definitely something that from a strategic standpoint as well makes sense. We want to attract all ethnic backgrounds, all races, all levels and dimensions of diversity, as we mentioned earlier. So strategies for your workforce. What are some of the things that you want to ensure you, again, want to ensure that your workforce looks like your labor market and you want to reach out and fix any inequities based on these demographics? If your entire population is all Caucasian or white, well, you look at your labor market externally of your business and you have a diverse local market, maybe only 30% of your quote backyard in terms of where your business is located is white. Maybe there's a 30% African American. Does your organization have that equity in your organization? And if not, then we need to start to do some things about it from a best practice standpoint. If you don't have Hispanics in your workforce, well, then reach out to your local Hispanic unity agency. If you don't have African Americans represented in your organizations, then reach out to your local urban league. There are different agencies and organizations for any number of diversity dimensions. If you're looking for to attract some of the more mature population, you can certainly reach out to AARP. Maybe you're struggling with reaching out to individuals with disabilities in the workplace. This is a huge segment of the population that has valuable employees who have found themselves to be loyal, very high achieving in terms of the process that you give them to do or the responsibilities and tasks that they have. And yes, sometimes when we are looking at individuals with either physical or mental disabilities or impairments, I prefer to say, physical or mental impairments, things of that nature, we want to make sure that we understand that there is an investment in that time to train these individuals in the workplace. And oftentimes there are many organizations that we have in our local markets to help us to do so, So again, developing an, a DE&I conversation. We're definitely going to talk about this in our next conversation. What does that look like to really go in detail of what can I do as a small business? And we've only touched on a few things in terms of the recruitment process and how we can reach out to the local area agencies to increase the likelihood that we can recruit from these organizations. And again, some of them could be Job Corps, AARP, looking at LGBTQ plus organizations and agencies. I mentioned Urban League. Best Buddies is a wonderful organization that I used to be affiliated with during my time as director of the Font on Miami Beach. We had many individuals who were hearing impaired, who had physical and mental impairments that were valuable team members in our organization. So definitely diversify, reach out to those individuals, and then ensure that, you know, we are tracking and measuring. Metrics are going to be important, but we're going to go ahead and talk about implementation metrics and things of that nature, because even if you have a small population within your workforce, you definitely want to ensure that you're diverse in practice. And listen, at the end of the day, you may not be very diverse in your workforce, but showing that you're making the initiatives to attract different diversity dimensions is really going to go a long way should litigation ever be posture your path or knock at your door, if you will. If you can show that the organization is looking at diverse organizations, is looking to source new candidates of employees through many of these recruitment strategies that we talked about, then you're going to be able to at least articulate and defend any potential claim of discrimination in your workplace. So I hope that that has been beneficial as we discuss diversity, equity, and
0: inclusion, even for a small business such as yours. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to The Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at the Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with the Complete Manager Makeover.